So uh, we are in First Samuel in the Bible study. I believe we're in chapter, I think we finished 26, and we're going into 27. You get there in my other Bible. Yeah. Can you give me the... Address again. First Samuel um, chapter 27. I believe we finished 26. Uh, why, it might not hurt to read 26 as a reminder, and then we can uh, get into 27 to see how far we can go. So maybe we could pray. Once again, our Father, we're so thankful for this great Savior, the Lord Jesus. We're so thankful for the love that uh, sent him to this dark earth to send not good people, but to save uh, sinners like us. So we uh, thank you for that. And we thank you for just uh, um, uh, your word uh, and the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And we thank you, Father, for your presence and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ when we gather together in his name. Awesome, awesome uh, 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 promises and awesome blessings that we have. And we, yet we know that we still walk by faith, not by sight, and that uh, we will one day not, uh, won't be that way anymore. When we're with you in glory forever, will not be, uh, will not be sight, I mean, sorry, won't be by faith, but we'll be there with you personally, uh, face to face. We can't imagine what that will be like. We thank you again for your word. Help us to um, learn things, Father, from your word that would be a blessing to us and a blessing to others, and bring honor and glory to our Heavenly Father. So we commit the time to you again in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Monday, I've got a question. Uh-huh. Did we, uh, last time there was a um, discussion about Jesus Christ having the DNA of Mary and Joseph. Was that resolved? Well, she clearly did not have the DNA of Joseph because she was a virgin. But the result, but the uh, the question is, is did the Lord Jesus have half of his DNA from Mary or did the Lord, uh, you know, God just create in Mary um, just like he created Adam and gave him DNA um, and uh, and Eve and gave her different DNA. Even though he, he took Eve from Adam's rib, evidently, well, obviously she had different DNA because she's a woman, right? Did not have the same DNA. How did he do that? Well, he fashioned her, the Bible says. So we don't know if uh, Mary had, or sorry, if the Lord had uh, DNA from Mary. It seems important from the word that she was a direct descendant of King David, also from uh, Jonathan's line. Uh, what was his name? Was it Jonathan? His son, but not Solomon's line. Dave, uh, Joseph was from Solomon's line, the kingly line. Oh, I think it was Nathan. Uh, I can't remember. 
I think it was Nathan's line that, that Mary was from. Uh, his... Does it mean that Jesus Christ, in just for discussion, has only had the DNA of a human being? Well, he certainly uh, must have because he was a man, right? He was fully man. At the same time, he was fully God. But being fully man means he had DNA. He wouldn't be able to function. His body wouldn't be able to grow, function, uh, operate. He uh, he looked right. just like he looked just like everyone else. He ate, he drank, he slept, he got tired, and so uh, and he aged, right? So uh, he obviously had DNA because the, the, his body wouldn't have functioned without it. Yes, I understand that part, but uh, is it only half? No, 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 no. He, he certainly had a complete set of chromosomes, or again, the human body doesn't work with uh, 50% or 80% or 90% or even 98 or 99% of your genes. It takes all of them to run your body appropriately. Yeah, because I've heard somebody um, questioning the number of chromosomes. Oh, really? Yeah, that's... Uh, you likely would have. Is it half or full? No. Uh, but you're right, because in terms of uh, mutation, that's how cancer uh, evolves. Uh, something missing or added into the chromosome that, that, that causes some kind of a cancer. I mean, it, extra uh, features of a human being. Well, without, uh, yeah, your, your DNA is uh, absolutely necessary or you, we wouldn't be here and 100% of it. So uh, I think of just like, for instance, if one chromosome is damaged, you might end up with Down's syndrome or you get an extra chromosome, something like that. So tiny, tiny, tiny portion is fouled up, then uh, it will certainly change your life and it may not be compatible even with life so uh certainly the lord had dna we don't know if it was half mary's and uh someone something else from the lord's it certainly wasn't a hundred percent of mary's because he was a man she's a woman yeah okay i think we were on the 27th first summer collection we started there yeah uh, i think i'm going to read uh uh, I don't believe I don't believe we've done uh, twenty seven. About to start because uh, we're dealing with the yes. Well, anyway, continue. I mean, I'm sorry. Well, keep quiet and listen. So uh, here with me. Oh, great. So I don't uh, don't know whether to read this from King James or the New Living Translation. <laughs> okay, it's probably for the rest of us following along, probably easier with uh, King James. So I will read that. I'm just going to read through 26 for a little review, and then we'll see any discussion and uh, move on to 27 if we can. So, chapter 26 of 1 Samuel And the Ziphites came unto Saul to Gibeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself in the hill of Hilk Hakaliah, 
which is before Jeshimon. So then Saul rose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men, special ops of Israel with him, to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul pitched in the hill of Hakilah, which is before Jeshimon, by the way. But David abode in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him to the wilderness. David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul was come in very deed. And David arose and came to the place where Saul had pitched, and David beheld the place where Saul lay, and Abner, the son of Ner, the captain of his host, and Saul lay in the trench, and the people pitched around about, round about him. Then answered David and said to Ahimelech the Hittite and to Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, brother of Joab, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul's camp? So he's asking two of his right-hand men, Which one of you guys wants to go down with me? And Abishai said, I will go down with you. Verse 7, So David and Abishai, Abishai, Abish, well, it's either Abishai or Abishai, came to the people by night, and behold, Saul lay sleeping with the trench, um, within the trench. That's one of the things that um, the New Living Translation doesn't include, is it this trench, I don't think. It just says he's out sleeping and uh, uh, in his spot. And his spear stuck to the ground at his bol and his bolster, and Abner and the people lay around about him. And then, uh, well, let's just keep going. Then, then said Abishai to David, God hath delivered thine enemy into thine hand this day. Now, therefore, let me smite him. Now, in the living translation, it says he whispered to him because they're all asleep and they snuck into the enemy's camp, you know, Saul's camp, you know, late at night where they're all asleep. And uh, I don't think it says, it just says they camped round about him. Um, I don't think that, um, I don't know if it was different. Let me see in verse 7, 26, verse 7. Let's see if it says anything. Uh, so, so David and Abishai went right into Saul's camp and found him asleep with his spear stuck in the ground beside his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying asleep around him. <coughs> That's all it says. But I have a feeling... They're not lying like like spokes in every direction. I think that they're uh, sleeping around him in a circle, head to toe, head to toe, head to toe, head to toe, all the way around him. So when so when David and Abishai got to you know sneak into the camp and get over to Saul, they have to step over these guys, not just walk between them. So then verse 8, then said Abishai to David, God hath delivered thine enemy into thine hand this day. Now, therefore, let me smite him, I pray thee, with the spear, even to the earth at once. Now I will not smite him a second time. And David said to Abishai, whispering, obviously, destroy him not, for who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him. His day shall come to die, uh, and by, um, 
in the uh, Living Translation says he'll die of old age. Either he'll die of old age or his day shall come or he shall descend into the battle and perish in, uh, in, in, in war, fighting, battle. So verse 11, the Lord forbid it that I should stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed, but I pray thee, take thou now the spear that is at his bolster and the cruise of water and let us go. So David took the spear and the cruise of water from Saul's bolster and they got them away and no man saw it for, uh, nor knew it, neither awakened, for they were all asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord was fallen upon them. So, uh, <laughs> nevertheless, when they got away from the place and then David shouts back at Abner, you know, the captain, then they wake up. So right now there's a deep sleep on them. So, uh, but, um, let me just keep going. Then David went over to the other side and stood on the top of the hill afar off, uh, a great space being between them. And David cried to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, uh, Answerest thou not, Abner? Then Abner answered and said, Who art thou that criest to the king? And David said to Abner, Art thou not a valiant man? And who is like unto thee in Israel? Wherefore then hast thou not kept thy Lord the king? He's mocking him, obviously, for being asleep while, uh, 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 you know, he, he crept in. For there came one of the people to destroy the king, thy Lord. This thing is not good that thou hast done. For the Lord liveth, as the Lord liveth, ye are worthy to die for what you've done. Because ye have not kept your master, the Lord's anointed. He refers to Saul again as the Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is and the cruise of water. That was his bolster. And Saul knew David's voice and said, Is this thy voice, my son David? And David said, It is my voice, my lord, O king. And he said, Wherefore doth my lord uh, thus pursue after this servant? For what have I done? Or what evil is in mine hand? Now... Therefore, I pray thee, let my lord, the king, uh, hear the words of his servant. And if the Lord have stirred thee up against me, let him accept an offering. But if they be the children of men, uh, cursed be they before the Lord. For they have driven me out this day from abiding in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. So I'm going to read that verse 19 in... Uh, the living that's uh 26 19 that's a little confusing so david says well let me back up why are you chasing me verse 18 why are you chasing me what have i done what is my crime but now let my lord the king listen to his servant if the lord has stirred you up against me then let him accept my offering but if it this is simply a human scheme that they may that then may those involved be cursed by the Lord, for they have driven me from my home, so I can no longer live among the Lord's people, and they have said, "Go worship pagan gods in quotes, you know, so um, he's just saying that he's been driven from his own people, driven to the enemy, driven to pagans. So verse uh, twenty, now therefore, let not any blood fall. 
on the earth before the face of the Lord, for the king of Israel is come out to seek a flea, as when one doth hunt, or as when one doth hunt a partridge in the mountains. Then said Saul, I have sinned, return my son, for I will no more do thee harm, because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day. This is, by the way, the second time this has happened, right? That David has spared Saul's life. The first time was in the cave of Adullam when Saul was relieving himself and David snuck up on him. And again, one of his guys was with him and said, this is your chance. This is your time. And, you know, God's delivered him into your hand. And David, you know, wouldn't touch him, but he cut off a corner of his garment, of his robe. So this is the second time he's done this, spared his life. And David answered and said, so now Saul is like convinced, oh my gosh, I am so wrong. I'm so wrong. And David, you're so right. Uh, he says, come home with me. <laughs> I will do no, no more. I'll do no more harm because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day. Behold, I've played the fool and have erred exceedingly. So verse 25, and David answered and said, behold, the king's spear and let one of the young men come over and fetch it. The Lord render to every man his righteousness and his faithfulness for the Lord delivereth for the Lord delivered thee into my hand today but I would not stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed so behold and behold as thy life was much set by this day in mine eyes so let my life be much set by set by in the eyes of the Lord and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, Blessed be thou, my son David. Thou shalt both do great things and shall, and also shalt still prevail. So David went on his way, and Saul returned to his place. So they split up. David's still in the wilderness. Saul goes back to the palace. So, uh, again, this, this idea that David uh, would not touch the Lord's anointed. Even though Saul is obviously not saved, he's troubled by an evil spirit. He's chasing David, wanting, uh, intending to kill him, uh, not just to catch him, but to kill him because of his, why? His jealousy, right? His envy and jealousy. And he's afraid of David. The Bible actually says he's afraid of David. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's, uh, that's who Saul is. So, would it be wrong? Was it wrong? Would it have been wrong for David to take advantage of Saul and kill him, take him out, and be the new king? Since it looked like the Lord delivered him into his hand the second time. I admire what David was doing because he was putting Saul's life into uh, the Lord's hands and not his. The Lord was going to take him. The Lord, Lord God is sovereign. Yes. Um, and he, re he respected his, his position, even though he was, um, well, even though God left him, left him because of what he did earlier with the Amalekites. Right. Um, it just, uh, it's very, 
you know, he, he was going to, you know, that I, I watched the movie. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but the, this guy was a, a ranger. He's a Christian. After he got out of ranger, he, he got a calling by God to go and help some people out in, like, was it Malaysia? A anyway. The Burma, Burma the, Free he, Rangers? Yes. 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 I know that. Yeah, what I said. Yeah, I know who that guy is. Yes. So, so anyway, the, the thing I admire was he, he had seen some uh, pictures of uh, two Christian missionaries being um, raped and beaten, you know, and he got really angry. And, he, and his first thought was, uh, let's go hunt him down. Let's, let's go find him and kill him. And he said, but before he did, did that, he opened up the Bible and he turned to a verse that said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. And so oh. that was his answer. God oh. was going to take care of the, the, you know, the, those men. Yes. Himself. That's pretty tough, you know, to back yes. away when you got your temper, you know. Well, in, in okay. Mind, but, but he surrendered his mind and heart to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's a little different because that's more like uh, in a situation of war. So, um, so this, what David is going through, is not war. It's not like the just war theory that we have to follow. We're supposed to follow these days in uh, you know a godly country, a, a country with Judeo-Christian values. There's a just war theory, and. Uh, this wasn't that what David and, and Saul were, you know, about at all. This was a personal beef, and they both have soldiers on each other's side. So it's practically a war, but it really is just Saul trying to kill David because, you know, he's jealous and he's envious and he hates him. And uh, he's he doesn't want to he's a threat to to Saul's kingdom. So he sees him as an enemy, and David has never raised a finger against him. <clears throat> so that's a different circumstance for sure. That's why David says, the Lord will take care of this guy, not, not me. But in a just war theory, that's a different story. You know, why was it okay to, uh, you know, to get involved in World War II? Why was it okay to, you know, to... to uh, to fight German soldiers and to take out Hitler, uh, you know, go after that. That's a whole different um, subject. And that's what, um, you know, uh, Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer felt. He was actually in this country, in the United States. He was from Germany. He had come here, got involved, got uh, very um, uh, spiritual and, and enjoyed a fellowship, grew a, a great deal spiritually here. And then when Germany started, uh, when Hitler was rising to power in the late 30s, uh, Bonhoeffer felt like he needs to go back to Germany to help his own people. And uh, because this guy was a crazy person and uh, what he started doing, you know, killing Jews. And first it was not the Jews. It was the disabled people and gypsies that he was eliminating. And then he ended up going after the Jews because he thinks, he, in fact, the the modern thought at that time was just like um, uh, what do we call that system? The uh, um, with uh, Darwin 
uh, species and, and you know, the survival of the fittest. Thank you, evolution. So his thought, that was Hitler's thought that was popularized uh, by German um, theologians and thinkers and that uh, the survivest, you know, the strongest, healthiest survive. So we're going to make uh, Germans the, the super race and we're just going to have to eliminate everybody else and, and just speed up natural, natural selection, natural process. Just speed it up. That's all. That's all they're doing. That's all. So that's when uh, um, Bonhoeffer decided he had to intervene. And so he decided he actually got involved. He was doing resistance, you know, and he had some uh, some friends in the German army and things like that. <clears throat> and uh, uh, some of them were also opposing Hitler, even though they were Nazis. Uh, they were reluctantly going along. But anyway, he got involved in a plot to kill Hitler. It failed and he was actually captured. I don't think it was about a week or two before the war was actually over that Hitler, just before he killed himself, he hung his political enemies like, like Bonhoeffer. So a lot of folks wonder, well, was he doing what was right? Did, was it right for him to, to try and take out this guy, Hitler? So that's kind of like a whole nother subject and uh, sort that out. But uh, um, uh, here's, here's like a, a comparison. If you see a crazy person uh, running over people, driving through a parade, killing as many people as, as they can for, you know, for what looks like randomly, just random, because they want to, and uh, you have a chance to stop them somehow. But you have to kill them to do that. But you have a chance to do that. So what should you do? Stand by and say, well, the Lord will the Lord will take them out. The Lord will take care of them. Or should you do something? So that's the dilemma, you know, that we face with, uh, you know, pro-life issues. Uh, that This came up yesterday. And why is it? If it was okay to take out someone like Hitler, if it would be okay to take out some madman that's mowing people down like in a parade with his SUV, then why wouldn't it be okay to murder, to take out uh, abortionist? So uh, that was a that was a big question. And this guy, this really wasn't his expertise, but he addressed it anyway. And said, basically, you know, that would be kind of more like akin to taking out like a uh, a, a corporal or a lieutenant or maybe even a general. But there's just going to be uh, another general replacing him. In other words, if you were to kill a, 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 a an abortionist, someone would immediately replace him. Uh, the persons that were trying to see him to have their abortions would just simply go somewhere else. In other words, he didn't think it would have much an effect. Um, but if abortionists were started to, you know, to, uh, you know, be, to be killed, then that would be a different story. And it certainly would have an effect. But morally, what was the difference? And so uh, uh, but so in our laws now, about half of America doesn't even think that that's wrong. So um, it's against the law. 
And so really our job is to convince the rest of the culture that this is actually wrong. It really is murder and unjust. And then we can stop this uh, legislatively with our culture instead of uh, murdering abortionists. So that was kind of a takeaway from yesterday as well. But that was, uh, again, I agree, Brother Tom, that that was uh, very noble of David to say the Lord will take care of him. Because that's what he says when it's like a personal beef. He says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Um, so, in fact, when Abigail intervened for her husband Nabal, David was on his way to kill all of the men under Nabal. So she saved all those guys' lives by intervening because David was about to do something that was wrong because his anger, you know, instead of instead of realizing, uh, hey, the Lord will take care of him. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, not yours. So vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. And uh, David was about to repay himself. So uh, Abigail intervened and opened his eyes. And that was... Uh, that was a big, you know, opening uh, epiphany for for David and stopping him from getting, you know, doing something that uh, should 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 certainly not do. So similar case with uh, Saul, wouldn't do it. Committed him to uh, the Lord and his fate. Twenty six. But it's interesting that uh, Saul certainly confessed his fault. The last two, the last verse of chapter 26, Then Saul said to David, Blessed be thou, my son David. Thou shalt both do great things and also shalt still prevail. So anyway, Saul fessed up and said that he had done, uh, you know, was obviously in the wrong and had this big change of heart again and said, hey, just come home. <laughs> we'll be OK. I won't hurt you. And David uh, obviously didn't go along with that. Right. Didn't believe that. Saul was so uh, unstable that he could be friends with you this day and be uh, trying to, you know, murder you tomorrow, the next day. Verse 21. That was Saul's prophetic word about, about David. Yes. Right. You, you will both accomplish much and surely prevail. Even though the Spirit of God had left him. Yes. Yep. Verse 21. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Return my son David, for I'll do no more harm, for I will. For I will no more do thee harm, because my soul was precious in thine eyes. This day, behold, I have played the fool and have erred exceedingly. So he uh, confessed, fessed up that he was wrong and said uh, <laughs> he wouldn't do it anymore. But uh, I think everybody knew that that wasn't the case. So we're getting closer and closer to, uh, uh, in fact, the next chapter, 
Mm, no, not the next chapter. Two chapters, verse uh, 20, chapter 28, two chapters away, we're coming closer to the end of Saul's life and uh, the end of his mischief and mistreatment of David. So our time is up. Uh, we'll probably continue on for chapter 27 uh, next week. And... Uh, Move on from there. Another kind of, uh, you know, kind of David kind of goes from high to low and back to high and back to low in his um, his um, feelings and wonderings and uh, and where he has in exile. And uh, it's a good thing that it's there because it gives us comfort and assurance that we are just, he's no different than us. We're no different than him. We have our highs and our lows as well. So maybe we could just close in prayer. Father, again, we thank you for uh, your word. We thank you for David and for the man of God, the man of faith that he was, a man after your own heart, wanting to please you and uh, wanting to bring you fame and glory and willing to fight your battles here on the earth. We pray, Father, that we would learn these things clearly from King David, and uh, we would have hearts like this as well, knowing full well that we're still human and that we have high points and low points ourselves, and, uh, but that we would still, um, we would still um, turn to your word and uh, and just as we began to uh, this this session with about uh, being careful about what we think, uh, thinking that uh, um, what we uh, um, consider, what we dwell on in our own minds, that we would turn to your word and turn to the truth. So help us, we pray in this. Thank you for your word again. Thank you for um, the examples that we have here and that we would be um, encouraged in our own walk uh, to be. Again, like just like David, wanting to bring glory to God, wanting to glorify our Father, wanting to do His business, fight His enemies while we are here in uh, this life now. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We'll take a little break. Sister Debbie is here with uh, Jessica's... Oh, uh, uh, Derek, he's about six years old, I think. So she's with him, uh, Sunday school today, but we'll be back for ministry.